Welcome to Mindfully Well, your place to get the tools and tips you need to connect to a deeper sense of wellness, naturally and simply. This podcast is for change-seeking women who are curiously devoted to their health and ultimately having a positive impact on the world around them. I'll be diving into everything that can help us live mindfully well, one episode at a time. I'm your host, Ailey. Welcome to episode four. If you're new here, Mindfully Well is a podcast for change-seeking women who are curiously devoted to their health and ultimately having a positive impact on the world around them. And with that, I would like to say that all humans are welcome here, and surely we all can take something away from these episodes. But I've chosen women because I'll be discussing women's health most often and coming at everything from the lens in which I live, which is a woman. Also, you probably hear commercials and different promotional blurbs in other podcasts, and you won't hear those here. However, I will be sharing products and resources, mine and other people's, that you might be interested in that are related to said topic of the day. So, there won't be commercials, but there might be some promotional communication here about things that will actually help you and not just try to get you to buy something. So, I hope that resonates with you. I feel good about it. I'm not interested in advertising dollars or sponsors or any of that stuff. (laughs) So, With that, today's topic is coming at you after. I opened up Amazon the other day because I live in Seattle and we're like the HQ for Amazon, I guess, and I can get anything delivered to my house in like an hour. It's freaking crazy, but that's irrelevant. Um, I opened up Amazon the other day and there was a big banner image for these new Alexa glasses. And my immediate reaction was, what? So of course I clicked on the ad because the marketer inside of me had to know like what the messaging was around this. So the few minute ad played and basically promised to help you live more in the moment through wearing these glasses. You guys, ugh, this made me so mad. Like I looked at Chandler and was like, what the hell is this? This is crap. So mad. The whole message was, live in the moment as you're wearing this piece of technology on your face that keeps you completely out of the moment. Honestly, this made me mad because you basically have something in your ears all the time. Like the ear pieces, the things that hook behind your ears on regular glasses, those are like little speakers or something. Little Alexa speaker mic things behind your ears all the time, which means what is the impact of that Wi-Fi resonating through your head constantly? Who knows? Um, Another thing is like you never have to wonder again or remember anything again. You can just say, hey Alexa, remind me to pick up toilet paper. What? Like get a little notebook and write it down or don't forget that you need toilet paper. Really? Like there's, it's just crazy to me. And then like, Just the whole idea of living in the moment by having 
these fake, not real glasses, which is kind of insulting to those of us who need glasses, <laughs> honestly. That's kind of silly. But it's not helping you live in the moment. If anything, it's taking you out of the moment because you constantly have this thing on your face that you can ping into to ask it a, que a question instead of just wondering and thinking and pondering and like using your brain. So anyway, today's episode is called Outsourcing Your Intuition to Apps, Devices, and the External World. And I'm going to be discussing all the ways we outsource our health, intuition, and awareness to technology and other external factors, and how we can start to tune back into our natural intuition and become better stewards of our needs and desires without the obnoxious or unnecessary, however you want to see it, assistance of technology. There are water tracking apps, food diary, food tracking apps, period menstrual cycle tracking apps, and ovulation tracking apps, sleep tracking, meditation apps, watches, rings, necklaces, glasses, belts, monitors, etc., etc. There are so many different things out there to combine health, and everyday life with technology that it's honestly hard to keep up with. Some people are really into these things, while others don't even know they exist and don't even care that they exist, which I think is, like, really interesting. It's not like we've turned into cyborgs or anything, obviously, but there are definitely hints of tech being ingrained into everyday human functioning that I personally can't ignore. Like, the fact that I got pretty riled up about an Amazon product that's coming out. Like, <laughs> one, it says something about me as a person. I'm not ashamed of that. But also, it's, it's just really interesting to me. Because I'm very interested in tapping into our innate awareness, in our intuition, in our inner knowing as a human being, that I, I feel like these things kind of block us and yeah they're they take us further away from that than closer to that in my opinion so it's like the other day when we were walking home from the park I think and we live okay so we live in a really active neighborhood really active city honestly Seattle is to my knowledge the most walkable city I've ever been to there's people cycling and running and walking and scootering and skateboarding everywhere. Rain or shine, no matter what. Like, everyone is just commuting by foot. You know, there are a lot of people driving too. I have a car. Like, yes, that exists, but it's a very active city. So we were walking home the other night, and <laughs> I couldn't help but notice that when we walked past the Planet Fitness, like the workout gym, people had driven to the gym to run and to walk and to Stairmaster. And I don't, there's nothing wrong with gyms. 
overall. I'm, I'm not like anti-gym and for the record, I'm not anti any of this stuff. I just find it really interesting that in a place where you can walk everywhere and there are stairs all over Seattle, like we have stairs up and down every hill in the city. You don't need a Stairmaster or a gym membership. There are so many stairs and so many hills. But so I just find it interesting that people run at the gym and then drive home. And the thing about it is that all of the treadmills were facing outward. They like people were on the treadmills looking out at the road at all of the people running by them. And it was just like this really weird moment where I looked at Chandler and I was like, this is really funny. It's really funny to see people drive to the gym to run, drive to the gym to walk, etc., whatever they're doing. When in a place that you can do all of that stuff outside of a gym, they're not doing that. That's not that doesn't happen everywhere. I get like there are places where you can't just walk and run about and do natural stairmaster whatever stuff. But in Seattle you can. Like it's everywhere. So this just kind of like blew my mind that someone would rather go to the gym for an hour on a treadmill than walk to the park, watch the sunset, and walk home. And I don't know where these people live. But yeah, it was just like a really striking moment where I was, I don't know, I was just really thinking about how funny humans are. We're really peculiar. I'm sure you've seen, (laughs) this is so weird to me, but speaking of the whole people going to gyms to work out instead of just going about their life, um... I think this is also a really interesting thing that's popped up on my radar is that recent article or whatever it was that was floating around that was basically um, that was basically talking about these calcifications that are growing on the back of people's skulls because maybe I don't know the direct correlation and I don't think the articles like said x equals z but potentially because people are looking down at their phones all the times and like their skulls are changing. I don't know. (laughs) I haven't read this article in a couple months and you'll have to Google it. But there was just this really weird thing about people being on their phones all the times and like constantly looking down that like their physiology was changing. To me, that is so effing crazy. And it makes sense, right? Like our bodies adapt to however we hold them and keep them and move them and be in them. So of course they would adapt to always looking down at a phone or a device or whatever it is. It's just, it's crazy. (laughs) This brings me to an article that I was reading the other day as I was thinking about all of this stuff that was basically talking about the usage of health tracking apps. So the study was done with 2,000 people and that's not a huge number, but like it wasn't it wasn't a small sample size, per, sample size per se, but um, of the people who said they use health tracking apps and or devices, there was about 30% of them. So 33% of those 30% said that they do achieve their fitness goals. 10% said that they lose or control their weight. And then <laughs> this number was hilarious to me. of the people who use health tracking apps and devices say that they eat better. 3% in this sample size. And then 4% of the people who use health tracking 
apps and devices sleep better. This blows my mind that such a small percentage of the eating and sleeping is there whenever there are a lot of food tracking apps that I'm, I also don't know the apps that these people are using, but um, I would assume that most of them are using fitness-related apps if the highest percentage were to say they were achieving fitness goals. But if your food is the majority of how your body changes, and none of these people are eating better? Like, what is even going on here? So within the sample set, of the people who don't use apps or devices, 26% of them said that it's due to the cost of these devices or apps or whatever they are, and then 21% said that they're not interested in tracking health data at all. So you've got a chunk of the audience or the population being surveyed that said they do use these devices and they achieve their fitness goals. And then you've got another chunk that says they're not even interested in tracking their health data at all. So (laughs) that's like what I said earlier about some people are really into this stuff and some people are not and they don't care to be. I don't think this topic is as important as the climate crisis or healthcare, or saving the ocean. I think there are bigger fish to fry. Is that the saying? There are bigger issues to be discussed, but I, I just thought this was an interesting topic because the Alexa thing like triggered me so much. So that's why we're talking about it. I don't think we're on the brink of becoming cyborgs or robots, but I do think that this stuff influences us, consciously or subconsciously, And that it's something that we should be thinking about as AI progresses and technology progresses. There are self-driving cars out there, you guys. They already exist. I think that it's better to be aware of this stuff than unaware. So let's think of some of the ways that we might outsource our intuition to technology, for better or worse. A really beautiful and dramatic example that I'm going to give you right now is clocks. Like we always know what time it is, even when we don't have to know what time it is. I'm not saying throw out all of your clocks and forget about time. That sounds absurd and like chaos if the whole world did that tomorrow. But what I am saying is, have you ever just gone into the woods for a couple of days and not known what time it was, and been okay with that. I think it's very important to know what it feels like to be in nature without anything else, and understanding when it's noon, and when the sun is setting, and feeling when you're getting tired when the sun is setting, and waking up with the sun. That's one of the places where we've completely outsourced our circadian rhythms and our sleep cycles to alarms and clocks and cell phones in bed, and the list goes on and on. Um, Another thing or another piece of technology in which we highly outsource our intuition and our innate knowing is with GPSs. Google Maps, Apple Maps, whatever the heck you use, we rely on those, unless you use paper maps still, which is badass, 
but we rely on those very, very heavily, especially when you're in a place that you're not familiar with. We also rely on our calendars and our agendas and day-to-day scheduling in our phones or wherever we keep, maybe on our computers, or maybe Alexa whispers in your ear that you have a meeting at 9 (laughs) a.m. Apparently that's a thing now. Um, Apple Watches are kind of like the whole kit and caboodle, right? I actually do have an Apple Watch. It was a gift at my old job, and I honestly... (laughs) I only wear it when I travel, because I like to know what time it is when I travel, which I could just get a real watch, and I think it would like a real watch more, but I just have the Apple Watch, so I charge it up and throw it on when we're flying, but um, I also hate the Apple Watch, because it is constantly telling me to breathe, and to stand up, and to get moving toward my fitness goal, and like I've never even set any of this stuff up. I didn't opt in for you to tell me when to breathe. I'm already breathing. (laughs) And I know how to like self-regulate when I need to like consciously breathe. So I find it very obnoxious. Um, I guess I'll be getting an old school watch soon. But I do have an Apple Watch. And that's one of the ways in which we've literally strapped our phones to our wrist. And it's really hard to disconnect when it's that easy to see your emails and your messages and your phone calls and your calendar and your heart rate and your steps and when you should breathe and when you should drink water and it goes on and on. Speaking of, there are meditation apps. We have, as a society, meditation has been outsourced in order to be experienced by more people which I don't think is a bad thing necessarily, but I do think it's an interesting thing to think about when all you've ever done is use a meditation app and that's all you've ever tried, right? So there are a ton of different forms of meditation and a lot of them are really, really good without technology anywhere near you. So I think meditation apps are good and bad, but... Like any of these things, I think they're beautiful starting points as long as we don't cling to them forever. I'll get more into that later. But yeah, we've outsourced our eating habits to food tracking apps. We've outsourced our hydration to water tracking apps. And we've outsourced our relationships to other people that we love the most to text messages and Snapchats and DMs and quick one-off emojis. And that makes me sad. I, I think that makes a lot of people sad. I know it does. My mom talks about all the time how she hates how no one calls each other anymore. And it's so true. Um, we have like instant access to everyone's lives and then we don't appreciate the people we love the most because of that. So for the most part, Society society in a certain population. I can't say the world because some people in the world still don't have access to the internet. But the society in which I live in and likely you live in um, has become super reliant on these things. And the more dependent we become on technology, the health tracking apps, the reminders that we should breathe or that we should stand, 
we become more and more out of sync with our natural cycles, out of sync with our circadian rhythm, out of sync with the biological triggers that say, feed me, I am actually hungry, and out of sync with our intuition. And the funniest part about all of this is when our devices break, we panic. Like people lose their minds when the internet's not working, when Instagram goes down, when you drop your phone in a lake or a river or whatever. This summer I actually dropped my lake, my lake, oh my gosh, I dropped my phone in a river and a couple of my friends were like, whoa, you're not even really affected by this, that's so crazy. And I just looked at them and I was like, well, yeah, we'll go to the store and we'll get a new one, whatever. But that's not the case for a lot of people. A lot of people kind of melt down. It's like, I don't know where you live, but where I'm from in the Midwest, when the power goes out, the power goes out. And you don't know when it's coming back, like from a really bad storm or like tornado season and stuff. And you don't know when it's coming back on. There's no TV. Your laptop has X amount of battery and your phone has X amount of battery. And that's all you got. You better conserve it or not. And it's always like this crisis feeling, or it used to be, I guess, for me. I haven't experienced that in a while, but there's always this feeling of like, what do I do when everything dies? And well, guess what? There are a lot of things you can do. You don't have to panic or freak out. And you don't, you don't have to change anything, actually. If you're super happy with the way you are, with your tech habits and the convenience of all of the devices that we do have at our disposal, that's great. Like, I don't, I'm not judging you. I don't care how you choose to consume information and organize your schedule and your water intake. But I do have some insights here that I want to share with you that could potentially make you a little more curious about different ways that you can become not so reliant on these things. Because honestly, you guys, in our lifetime we might see society fall. Like, it might happen. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty young. I've got a long life ahead of me, and shit might hit the fan. And Wi-Fi is not going to be a thing. And trying to (laughs) figure out how to pose for your next Instagram pic, not going to be a thing. So, for me, I have worked in digital marketing for the last six years. That means that I am always connected. I am always on the internet. I'm always on social media for my clients. And because of that, I quickly realized that I had to stop. I had to unplug. I had to get off of all of it because it's so consuming and I was getting paid to do it, which made it even more consuming. So for the past three years, Chandler and I have made it a non-negotiable to get into the woods for at least three days with No technology, no running water, no electricity, no clocks, no distractions, no music, no nothing. And we just sink back into the natural flow of life. And it's beautiful. So how do we start tuning back in? I've got some suggestions for you, and this is just a starting point 
these things aren't like everything that I sh share here. They aren't the hard and fast rule or answer to any of this, but they're a starting point. So one thing would be to spend a weekend without a watch. Like no clock, no time, no nothing. And just exist. If you can do this in your life, I highly, highly, highly recommend you try it out. Just an experiment, just two days off the time grid, whatever, just try it. If you want to get a little more intense, like I was just talking about, you could go off the grid. This means camping, this means finding a cool, cool little cabin out in the woods that doesn't have any of the glamping essentials. Um, there are a lot of different ways to go off the grid, and you can do it to meet your comfort level. But um, yeah, go off the grid. Turn your phone off for three days. Tell everyone where you're going, let them know you're fine, and you will check back in with them in three days. And turn it off. Oh, you guys, it feels so good. Like, it is so nourishing. And then you can come back to the real world. Haha, -ha, the real world. With a, a better sense of balance and ease and knowing that you've just been, like, replenished. Like, you go unplug to be recharged. It's phenomenal. If you're not ready for that, I get it. It's okay. You could try unplugging your Wi-Fi for one day. Like, pull the plug on your router and just don't. Don't let it distract you. Don't let it pull you in. And just unplug your router. So there are some off-the-grid options. Some no-time options and completely unplugging things you can try. They're kind of big steps. I get it. You don't have to do them at all. You can also just put your phone down for like an afternoon or whatever. Like leave it in the other room. Or put it on Do Not Disturb. My phone is 90% always on Do Not Disturb because Do Not Disturb Me. But um, some other things that can help us start tuning back in is if, if you do or don't use one of those like health tracking journal food tracking apps or whatever, I recommend getting an actual journal with paper, like, you know, the book type things. <laughs> I'm being a smart ass. Um, get a journal, grab a pen, and just start tracking your food, your water, your movement, whatever it is that you're trying to track in a journal. It's that easy. And there's, well, I know there's a psychological connection between writing, like taking from your brain through your hand onto paper that is really beneficial, but also it just, it puts it in a concrete place for you. Um, I have like this little gratitude journal that is next to the bed. And every night I ask Chandler what his gratitude is for the day. And I write mine. And it stays right here by the bed. I don't take it around anywhere. And it's just the gratitude journal. So you can have like a health tracking journal, which I have one of those as well. But <laughs> you can have a bunch of different journals depending on what you're trying to track. And you can get like little tiny pocket notebooks and flip notebooks. Like there are so many different options out there. That can work for however your day is structured, where you can still track without having to like 
open your phone, pull up an app, then get distracted by Instagram, and then forget why you're on your phone, and then remember that you were trying to log your eight ounces of water, and then you forgot, and then repeat. So, another tip is to move when you want to move. There are some fitness apps and workout apps and different types of things that you can pull up in your phone, which I don't think are bad, but I think they become like this, for me anyway, they become this like checklist item or thing I must do in order to complete to feel like I did blank. And I don't, I don't like that personally. So for me, whenever I feel like I need to move, whether it's stand or bend over or lift my foot up in the air or raise my arms, I just do it. I don't care where I am. I'm not going to look around and worry about who's watching me do a forward fold in public. I don't put my ass in someone's face. I, like, lean up against a wall or whatever. Like, I, I'm mindful of how I'm moving in the world so that I'm not, like, throwing myself on other people in public. But um, I move when I feel like moving. And that sometimes takes time to get to. But listen to your body. You will know when you need to move around or adjust or change positions. Sleep when you're tired. This isn't just at night. This isn't when your phone starts buzzing saying, it's time for bed, which I hate that notification. It's so annoying. I don't really know how to turn it off. Maybe I should look into that. Sleep when you're tired. If you fall asleep in class, in a meeting, at your desk, during shavasana and yoga, wherever you are, that's because you're tired. It's not because you're bad and you fell asleep and it's so embarrassing. Your body is actually falling asleep. That's okay. That's a good sign that you need to rest. You need to chill out. You need to actually sleep. If you feel your heart rate going up, tune in. Slow down and breathe. Not when your Apple Watch tells you to breathe, or not when your Apple Watch tells you that your heart rate just spiked. I'm pretty sure you'll know when your heart rate spikes, you guys. Think about like those nervous moments, and anytime your heart rate goes up, like, and you're not physically exerting yourself, like, you'll, you know. And it's really good to practice those self-soothing and self-regulating techniques. There are a lot of resources out there. I can share some with you, but only you know what you need. Not an app, not a buzzing watch or whatever the case may be. Um, Just listen to yourself. In lieu of meditation apps, just be still. I get the question a lot, do you meditate? And (laughs) I kind of go into a long-winded answer because I think it's important to acknowledge the fact that meditation isn't sitting in lotus pose on a mountain for five hours, not moving or flinching or anything. That could be your meditation, and that's totally great, but that's not the only way. So for me, it's being still, whether I'm laying on my back on the floor or just sitting anywhere on the floor, in the car, standing, wherever I am, 
The moment you can drop into your body, like your physical being, and feel the ground beneath you, and just be still and present, I promise you, it'll feel good. And you don't have to force it. And you don't have to set a timer and stay for five minutes if you don't want to. And maybe you do and you stay for 15. But whatever it is, you can do it by yourself. And you can also use apps. Not saying apps are bad, but you don't need them in order to meditate or be still or be in the present moment. That's all. Something that I've made for you that I'm giving away for free because I think it's really cool and I think it could be helpful to you if you want it. If it doesn't work for you, adjust it, change it, tweak it to however you might think it will work for you. But I'm calling it the Sensory Diary. And it's basically every day you tune into something you saw, something you heard, something you tasted, something you touched, something you smelled, and then my little bonus piece is something you felt in your heart. So not necessarily one of your five senses, but something you felt. So I've got this free little download over on my website. It's in the show notes. Um, I'll share the link at the end, but basically I'm calling it the sensory diary and it will just help you tune into your five plus one senses every day and remember all of the different things that you heard, saw, smelt, tasted, touched, etc. Another thing that I do is I regularly change up the apps, like the position of the apps on my phone. So if you have an iPhone, which I do, um, if you hold down the apps or whatever to delete them or move them, I basically look at my home screen and I start moving my apps around to different places so that I'm never robotically <laughs> or unconsciously opening my phone and clicking the same apps over and over again. Um, through moving them around, like it makes me have to think, oh crap, where did my email app go? Or where's my alarm clock or whatever it is. And I have to kind of like search for it and find it and recalibrate what I was used to. So I do that a lot. Another thing that I do is I change up the way that I go home without a GPS just to see if I can do it. Luckily, it's 2019. I've got my phone right with me. If I need to pull up Google Maps, I totally can. But there's something really fun about getting to a point in my route and thinking, well, what happens if I turn left? Do I know this road? Does it connect to that one road that I'm familiar with? Hmm. Okay, let's try it. Um, I recently moved to a new city a couple months ago now, in June. So it's October. So I'm, I have a great sense of direction. It's actually freaky. But um, I like to change up my route a lot just to make sure I'm not habitually falling into any certain pattern or getting stuck in a way in which I'm not noticing something or missing something beautiful or something important. So I change up my route a lot without a GPS. I see if I can get there. And you know, this is when I have like some extra time or if I know I can just kind of like piddle around or whatever. <laughs> um, I do that. So maybe that's something you can start trying out on a random day is take a different way home or a way that you're not sure of and see if you can still get back. If you like the apps that 
track your water for you for whatever reason. Um, I think there are a lot of benefits to that, and I think it's really great if you're just getting interested in understanding how much water you're drinking and are you staying hydrated enough, and I, I think those are good things. But I think it's equally beneficial to have a reusable water bottle and set a goal to drink like three of those a day. If it's like 20-something ounces, drink three of those a day and you're probably good. Maybe four. Um, but yeah, one, it reduces plastic waste, which is amazing. Don't drink out of single-use plastic. Please, don't do it. Um, two, you'll always have your water with you. So when you have a reusable water bottle, you can take it everywhere with you. You can drop it. You can throw it. It's basically indestructible, and you always have water, which means you don't have an excuse to be dehydrated or underhydrated. That's a way that you can start to track your water without having to like log it into an app every time you drink a glass or a sip. It's a little more freeing and a little more fun. So depends on the water bottle you get. You can get some with like different markings and you could buy one where you like draw Sharpie lines on it and write your own little notes or messages, whatever you want to do. The last tip I'll leave you with is plug your phone in at night across the room or in another room, ideally. But if you do use your phone for an alarm, which I do, um, plug it in across the room. So when you wake up, you get up, you turn off the alarm, and you leave it there. As opposed to fumbling around in the dark, reaching for your phone, grabbing it, hitting the snooze button, laying it down, doing that ten more times because, let's be real, that's what happens. And then you finally pick it up one last time, you open it, and you start scrolling. And you immediately get sucked into the vortex of the internet, the not now. So I think it's it's a fun experiment to just start plugging your phone in in different places, even if you change it up like every few days, so that when you hear your alarm, you have to kind of like orient and get up and find your phone. And then like you can leave a note by your phone that says, don't touch me. And I even sometimes leave my journal next to my phone wherever it is, so that whenever I stop my alarm, I grab my journal and I go and do that. So I completely disconnect from it. Like I use it for an alarm. I acknowledge that. And then I take my journal and I walk away. And I know I've got a couple of hours before I need to be anywhere. Or whatever the case may be. Because I set my alarm. I woke up at the right time. And I didn't snooze it and all of that. So I can't say where the future will take us. I don't know what technology is going to come out next. I don't even know if these Alexa glasses are going to be a hit for Amazon. Who knows? But these are some thoughts, the thoughts that I've shared with you today, that can start to help you stay a little more grounded in an actual human way. So a real human experience. I mean, we're all real humans. I get that. I'm not saying we're not. But um, technology is a tool that we have at our disposal, we can use, we can utilize, or we can let it run us and control us and really manipulate our lives and change the way that we function depending on how we use them. And yeah, there, there are two sides and we get to choose which one we're on. 
as of now until AI and, well, anyway, I'm not going to get into that because I'm not super caught up on AI stuff, but it's interesting and I think as humans we have an incredible capacity to do and be and experience the world and why not do that? To check out the show notes of this episode, which includes anything that I've mentioned and the free download for the Sensory Diary, head over to my website, hayleyheishman.com backslash podcast. You will see all of the episodes there, all of the different show notes, and specifically the show notes. If you are new here and you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review or a rating, and share with your friends, anyone who you think might enjoy this as well. Thank you for being here. I will see you next week. Thank you.